Hello and welcome to Learn More with the Core, your Community Health Core podcast. My name is Keely Alverson and I'm a current social work intern with Community Health Core, East Texas's local mental health and IDD authority. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Community Health Core's community's first choice program manager, Kathleen Newton. Kathleen is from Bastrop, Louisiana, but has been a Northeast Texas native for 25 years. Kathleen graduated from Louisiana Tech University with a degree in speech pathology and family child development, which then led her to Community Health Corps, where she has worked for IDD services for 25 years. During this time, she's worked in direct care and case management to her current position as a program manager for the Community First Choice program. So please enjoy Ms. Kathleen Newton. So Ms. Kathleen, thank you for coming on. Can you first and foremost just dive right in? What is your program about? All right, good morning, good morning. Um, Today I'd like to discuss two programs that we have. Um, Our first program is Community First Choice. Mm -hmm. Community First Choice is a program that we started with Community Health Corps about six years ago. There was a dire need for individuals who are currently on the interest list The interest lists are for large waiver programs like HCS, Texas Home Living. Yes. Those waiver programs at times can be up to 13 to 14 years. Yes. So while individuals are on this program, they're at home, Mm -hmm. they need support. So the state legislature developed this program with Health and Human Services to allow individuals to have the opportunity to get some type of supports while they're on the waiting list for larger waiver programs. Okay. So with Community First Choice, we get referrals through managed care organizations, Cigna, United Healthcare, Molina, or we get referrals from uh, the community. Okay. And this program will allow for what we call personal attendance services or habilitation services individual in the home. Okay. Um, those services include if an individual resides in their own home, mm-hmm. they can get assistance with ADLs, whereby that means bathing assistance, uh, personal hygiene. Do you need someone to help you learn how to cook? Do you need someone to cook for you? Life but skills. Life skills, okay. correct. And the, diff- the, the great thing about this program is if you want to learn how to do those life skills. Mm-hmm. I live in my own apartment. I would like to learn how to uh, wash my own clothes versus okay. having my mom come in and do it for me. Yeah. That would be habilitation. Okay. Or I'm not able to wash my clothes. I would like my mom to continue to come in or a friend to come in and do that for me. Through Community First Choice, we could pay that person. Yes. Uh, yeah. Services, uh, you know, to do that support for the individual. Okay. And so, what about people without insurance? Is the first step in qualifying they have to have some form of insurance? Yes, they have to have some type of Medicaid. Okay. Um, and they also have to uh, meet the eligibility requirements. The eligibility requirements would be intellectual disabilities, mm-hmm. either mild, moderate, or profound. Mm-hmm or a related condition like autism or Asperger's. Through our referral process, we do uh, contract with a psychologist who does our determination of intellectual disabilities or related condition. Through that testing, we are able to ensure the individual meets the requirements for Community First Choice. Right, and that's Dr. Montoya? Uh, Well, he's our psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Uh, We currently use Steve Knowles. Okay. Uh, He's the psychologist for that. And within those services, is respite one of the services that are offered too for like families that are 
for those who are not living in their own homes, but yeah. they're living with families and the family needs. Now, now Community First Choice just provides the, the personal attendance services and the have. Okay. But if an individual is currently enrolled within Community Health Corps, we can look at respite through either our crisis intervention services okay. or if they are attached through another waiver like GR okay. or Texas Home Living or HCS. Remind me and the listeners, GR. That's general revenue. Okay. General okay. revenue. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. How many folks are y'all typically serving? Is there like a typical answer? Um, well, because this program is still growing, uh, we get referrals monthly from the MCOs, but we're working with them because a lot of times we get the referrals. We have a lovely little CFC introduction packet, which clearly <laughs> details the program. We mail it out, and parents say, I didn't get it. Yeah. And we, we mailed it in a lovely brown envelope with a community health care label. So, so unfortunately, okay, we don't. I didn't read it. Yeah, I didn't read it, or I didn't understand it. So we are, we are constantly in contact with the MCOs to say, we mailed the packet out December 17th. December, you know, 28th. But now it helps us that we also call the parents to say, look for this envelope. Yeah. We'll review the packet. If you feel your uh, loved one would benefit from this service, please review it. Yeah. Complete the attached requested documentation and send it back to us. Oh, I wonder if that's an overwhelming packet. If they're just like, oh, I can't. So I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. And so a lot of times, uh, the biggest thing with me when they call, I don't know what this program is about, especially when it's a referral from the MCO. Okay, hold on. MCO. I'm going to, I don't know what it means. What does it mean? It's a managed care organization. Managed care, care organization. organization. Okay. Um, they are the, important. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. They are the bigger ones. Um, a lot of our referrals come from United Healthcare or Cigna. Okay. So okay. we are trying to build our relationship with the service coordinators, with the MCO, because as they're telling people about this program, as they're referring people, we are working with them to make sure they clearly know what this program is going to provide for yes. them. Yes. Okay. Okay, so you're kind of, wow, you're actually doing outreach, it yes, almost seems. Yes, yeah. yes, because we've learned over the years a lot of people will call and I got the packet, I want to do it, but hey, I want my child to live in a group home. Well, unfortunately, Community First Choice does not have a group homes. Yeah. We have to explain it supports in your home. Mm -hmm. Community First Choice does not pay for day have. Yeah. It's just those supports in the home. So over the last year, we've been working to make sure when they send that referral, when we call the person to say, hey, we got a referral from your MCO, we're sending a packet out, we clearly want the individual, the LAR, the family to know what this program is about. Right. Okay, and then do they get assigned a caseworker? Yes, okay. and once they are attached with us, it is a uh, service coordination monitoring, okay. um, and they'll get assigned a uh, service coordinator at that time. And some people prefer to say, hey, thank you for the opportunity. I just prefer to wait for a larger program like HCS or Texas Home Living because we're doing okay right now. Okay. Uh, so that's their choice, and sure. we respect that. And if that occurs, we notify the MCO. Um, we received the referral, we uh, did the outreach to the individual, we provided the packet, but they declined services. Can they ever come back and be like, just kidding? Like, oh, that happens it. all the time. Okay. That happens all the time. <laughs> they just reach back out to the MCO. They're like, wait, what did I do? Yes, they'll reach back out to the MCO and they'll request we send another packet back out. Okay. Yeah. 
That's a lot yeah. of packets. Who that, is that reading is, those packets? Well, is we it have interns? <laughs> we have admin support staff that help us with the packets okay. and tracking the amount of packets that we send. Good point. Okay. Good point. And so they can be in those services until they get into the larger programs. Correct. There's no Correct. time limit. No. Okay. All right. Right on. How do you evaluate the services that are provided? Well, we evaluate the services. It's it kind of in both ways. We evaluate the services on our end. We do what we call a community first choice assessment. It goes, it's very thorough. It talks about if the person needs assistance with bathing, with toileting, with cooking. And it also determines the level of support the individual is going to need. Mm -hmm. Are they independent in this? Do they need assistance with tasks with this? And so it's a level of support. Uh, depending on the level of support will determine the amount of time mm -hmm. the caregiver or a paid staff would be allowed to be in the home to work with that individual. Now we do that uh, assessment, but we have joint meetings with the MCOs mm -hmm. to see if they agree with the amount of hours that we've uh, provided for the individual. And typically they agree mm -hmm. and sometimes they don't. They can reduce or increase the hours. Is the MCO who who were billing like they're paying yes. us mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. okay yeah we just we're just billing for service coordination yeah. but through the mco with the medicaid they are the ones that um, helping with the billing to get the individual paid for that okay. are there any negatives to that like has there ever been any like disagreements with the MCOs on care like you know this client needs a certain amount of care but the MCO is not willing to no typically it's, it's been a pretty good network that we have with okay. them because the main thing if they refer the individual yeah they want them to have this service so yeah. typically they work with us I think the max we've had may have been two two to three hours oh, okay. uh, yeah that we've had with that so it's been a pretty good uh, pretty good system that we've had in place good deal yeah so with that being said what barriers do you see most common in your program and for your clients? I think some of the barriers, as I said earlier, this program only provides support in the home. So for those individuals that say, well, you know, I want to get out in the community, it doesn't cover transportation. Or for those that say, you know, I'm at home every day, I really want to see some of my friends, I really want to go out in the community, it doesn't cover day half. So those are the larger waiver programs with Texas Home Living or HCS that will provide the transportation and the uh, day habilitation support for an individual. Right, but that's a long waiting list yes. to get on with that. Yes. So how could we, is there a way to change that? Like what? No, um, un unfortunately, <laughs> the waiting list is... Uh, it, it, well, not the waiting list, but like Community First Choice mm -hmm. only offers in-home. Is there ever a way to N Not adapt? at this time, because this is the way that the state is saying, well, we know the waiting list is really, really long. Mm -hmm. What can we do to provide some type of supports while you remain on the waiting list? And again, some people take the opportunity. Yeah. You know, I'm here. I can get some type of supports in the home until I get off of the interest list. Okay. Do you think we don't have enough com community resources that could be offered as an alternative to while they're waiting to get on the list? When we feel that we uh, individual needs more than this program has, yeah. we try to do a triage and refer them out to the other networks that they can yeah. provide supports for. So we look at the need of the individual. Okay. Uh, we also talk about some people that we have recently, we can see that they need a lot of behavioral supports. Mm -hmm. So with that, we can look at referring them to our crisis intervention services program, or we can 
refer them to our other community partners that provide that type of support uh, for behavioral needs. Okay. What community partners are y'all typically utilizing? Like, do you use Special Health Resources or One Love? I hear those with other programs. Yeah. Now, I know we have some that in One Love, they go there during the daytime. Mm -hmm. um, if they need um, some type of hygiene needs or go in and there and interact with people in the community. Mm -hmm. But more behavioral, we have a, our own crisis intervention staff. Yeah. They work with individuals. And one thing important with us, that we try to provide supports before the crisis occurs. Yeah. So a lot of individuals that may be living at home with mom and dad, we try to figure out what is the trigger, what's going on to make them have those behavioral episodes. Mm -hmm. How can we come in, provide training and support to decrease that? Absolutely. And also, uh, especially during COVID, we did yeah. a lot of support with people were trapped at home with yeah. each other 24 hours a day. Ooh. So mm -hmm. we provided support. Well, hey, the caregiver may need a break from the individual, yeah. and the individual may need a break from the caregiver. <laughs> I went through that myself. So we, we provide those supports because a lot of times people just need someone to talk to. Yeah. People just need to feel that someone is listening to them, yeah. and that's how we provide assistance in the homes with that. I get that. We're all humans. We need people, even those who say they don't. We do. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Being that you've worked in this field for 25 plus years mm -hmm. probably by now, what misconceptions do you see in, this, in the community about the clients that we serve? I think that one of the biggest misconceptions that I have seen um, that I feel we're really going forward with that is the putting limitations on people. Mm. I think one thing that I've addressed a lot, especially with mom and dads, the older generation, mm -hmm. that they still want to keep the individuals kind of sheltered. Mm. They don't want them to give them an opportunity to get out, to try new things, to do new things. Mm. So that is something that we are uh, talking a lot about with folks and trying to uh, let them know what's going on with that. Do you think that comes from fear? Like they're yes. just afraid that's their kid, you know, they don't want anything bad to happen. Mm -hmm. That's their kid and they so they see so much stuff going out in the world today and they want to keep them sheltered. But one thing we, we're letting them know is if you shelter them, what's going to happen to them? You're not going to live forever. Yeah. So what's going to happen to them when you're not here anymore? Yeah. So giving them the opportunity to grow, giving them the opportunity to develop those skills to keep them to be more independent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think that's hard for any parent, but especially yeah. this population. I know when I talked with Miss Taylor, she also spoke about just getting this population out into the community mm -hmm. and, and just providing opportunities for people to understand like yeah. we are yeah. all people yeah. there's nothing to be wary of or I'm not even putting it in great terms and, and you're correct because for years you know coming out from the 70s and people were so used to uh, IDD people being in um, these larger facilities yeah yeah um, horrible facilities had, yeah then we had the sheltered programs but now you know we're especially coming off in march we're kicking off a big program with idd individual skills and socialization that yeah. program it's going to have individuals is transitioning from the day halves okay um going out in the community they'll have the opportunity to do 
off-site and on-site. What that means is, okay, I want off-site today. They have control of their own schedules. So again, you know, talk of these parents that's so used to, oh, we're going to do this oh, today. Yeah. No, no. We're ripping the Band-Aid yeah, off. ripping the Band-Aid <laughs> off. They have, they're developing their own schedule. So if they are saying, I want to go to the museum today, yeah. um, tomorrow we're going bowling at 2.30. Okay. I'm going to the zoo Thursday afternoon. They have control of their own schedules. Okay. Uh, that's the off-site. And then with on-site, for those that want to develop those individual skills, whether it's learning how to count money, uh, balance a checkbook, those are type of support staff can continue working with them on-site at the facility. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. So we've been doing a lot of education on that, a lot of education. But we're excited. New things are up on the horizon. Right on. So can you tell me about the other program you were here? Yes. Um, also, the Vocational Apprenticeship Program. This is our second year with the Vocational Apprenticeship Program. It's a special relationship we have with what they call special projects with Health and Human Services. With this program, it originally started in the state-supported living centers, whereby they allowed individuals to get jobs. Yeah. They get jobs in the facility, but also with us, we are partnering with what we call host employers. With those host employers, they allow an individual in our apprenticeship program to be a basic apprentice. Mm -hmm. So I use the old term. You go to a facility, learn those skills. Yeah. So we have people that have uh, worked at the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. We've had some that have worked at Whataburger, at Subway, yeah. they learn those uh, what we call marketable skills mm -hmm. for customer a service. Yeah, customer yeah. service for a 12-week period. The great thing about this program is we partner with the host employers. We actually pay the salaries through the program. Oh. So that's a big selling point, trying yeah. to reach host employers. You get an employee or an apprentice for a 12-week rotation, we pay the salary. We just ask that you allow us to partner with you yeah. so they can develop those skills. After the 12-week rotation, let's just say, well, Whataburger has all their shifts filled or they don't have any openings right now, they can take those same customer service skills, janitorial skills, whether they did a pre-food prep in the back, and go to a Subway, go to a Juices and get a job. So how do these businesses qualify? The businesses qualify, um, we contact the business, mm -hmm. explain our program, and we ask if they are interested in partnering with us. Mm -hmm. And through our contract management department, we develop the MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, mm -hmm. which clearly identifies what our role is with the Community Health Corps and what each host employer responsibility is um, through that Memorandum of Understanding so that we'll be on the same page with who is going to do what, who's yeah. responsible for what, before the apprentice uh, hits the door. We also allow uh, the host employer to actually interview the individual with us, yeah. to see if it's going to be a good fit, yeah. because we want each place to be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, our own community health court maintenance department, uh, our FEX first rotation with Tom, was one of the first departments within the center to step up and say, hey, we'll try it. And actually, at the end of the rotation, they actually hired the apprentice, and he's still working with the center today. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. So we greatly appreciate that. Yeah. 
Um, and then we've had we've had an individual that was really successful at the mall in Texarkana. Mm-hmm. He was hired. Okay. So we have some pretty good success stories. Yeah. And we have some that they graduated, found a job, didn't like the job. <laughs> we continue to work with them, and they are employed at other places right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, they have the right. Yeah, they'll tell. I don't like this. I don't like Good. the hours. So we'll work with them and find somewhere else for them to go. They're not afraid to speak up about what they like. And exactly. Don't like. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't like the position. Move on. Yeah. So how do we monitor the individual in the place of business? Like, are we sending caseworkers in? Are we doing like reports? Are we asking management there? How are we making sure things are on par? We, we monitor how they're doing at the host employer sites through our supported employment staff. Okay. We have two full-time staff okay. uh, that during a rotation cycle we can have up to 12 apprentices. Mm-hmm. So six is assigned to each staff yeah. and they cover this entire catchment area. Uh, from Longview to Overton to Marshall to Danger. So they cover Red River, uh, Texarkana, Cass, Bowie. They cover our entire catchment area. So they're rolling, they're rolling. But they split the caseload and they, uh, they stagger to make sure that each individual is covered. So with that being said, they are on the job with the individual to make sure whatever skills they should be doing, whatever their desired outcomes the employer has for them on the job, they're doing it. If they have problems with it, they're there with them doing that hands-on assistance, Mm -hmm. doing those verbal prompts, redirection to make sure that they're getting the instruction that they need. Now, once the individual learns it, they can fade back a little bit. But this program has another great aspect with the tablet program. We have tablets, utilized tablets, whereby if the individual is kind of unsure about something, you know, my staff told me last week, I really didn't clean that table off good. Mm. And my supervisor told me, hey, you left a couple of spots on there. Mm -hmm. Or you didn't fill the salt and pepper dispenser up the way I want it. With the tablet program and through the center's blue jeans, Mm -hmm. they can actually log on with their tablet and see their staff and talk to them and tell their staff, hey, you know, last week I didn't fill the salt and pepper container up like I should. Can I show it to you? They can flip the tablet around and the staff can view it and say, yeah, you know, the salt looks good, but let's let's add a little more to the pepper. Or look at my table. I cleaned it good. Well, let's go back and clean it again. You know, I see a couple of spots over there on the right-hand side. So even if staff is physically not there with them, if they're at another location, they still can contact staff via sale or via the tablet program. Wow, so that's well-rounded support. Yes, yes, because we want to make sure that it's a success, Mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that the individuals, as well as our host employers, are supported. Yeah. Yeah. When you graduated college, did you think this was the position you would be in? You know, that's that's a thing. When, <laughs> when I graduated from college and I had a close family friend that worked here, mm-hmm. and she was like, trying to get, at the time of Sabine Valley, but trying to get an application in, you know, you really enjoy it here. And to be honest, I myself had not had a lot of work in the IDD field. Yeah. But once I got in here and I started working with individuals and I just came to love the individuals and what we do. Yeah. So it, it was a good fit. It was yeah. a good fit. What's the best part of your job? I think the best part of my job is seeing the individuals that we serve 
grow and develop. Mm-hmm. I had a family member the other day, and just those little things came in and said, we appreciate what you do. Mm. We appreciate what you do. I appreciate what you've done for our, our family. Yeah. And then the, the, on the flip side is that that you see that the individuals are growing, you know, whether they're getting jobs in the community, whether they're learning how to do things at home, mm-hmm. um, that helps a lot. I know the parents shared with us that, you know, his parents are older, but the mom has been sick lately, so the dad was bragging, you know what, he's been getting up cooking breakfast. He's cooking breakfast for the mom. So just those little things. Uh, So he's grown from waiting for mom to bring me breakfast Uh till now he's getting in there fixing his eggs and his toast for himself and for his mom. Wow, that just shows like the level of confidence that's been grown through support. That is true. So if somebody in the community is listening one day, and they want to get involved, they call the intake number. Yes. Correct? Correct. And they request IDD services. Correct. Okay. All right. One question I like to ask everybody is what their self-care is, because obviously in our field, mm-hmm. it's it's important. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not always hearing the appreciation from yeah. the families and everything. <laughs> so it's important to take care of our mental health as well. Mm-hmm. I don't have a self-care regimen, so I'll just be real honest with okay. you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I'm learning from others, but... How do you take care of yourself? Well, like you just said, I do not have a defined self-care <laughs> regimen, but I can say I'm carving out time for that. Yeah. If it's something simple as I can tell myself when I've had uh, a rough week mm-hmm. and I need to unwind. So Saturday is probably going to be a self-care day for mm-hmm. me, whether it's just going shopping or uh, reading a book mm-hmm. or going to get a pedicure. Mm-hmm. It's just carving out two to three hours just to unwind the stress mm-hmm. because a lot of times, especially in this field, we find ourselves even on the weekend, did I do this? Yeah. Did I check that email? Should I check my email? Yes. <laughs> so it's like pulling yourself away yeah. <laughs> for a little amount of time just to, because if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't help the individuals that we're working with. No, and I hear that. I hear it. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. just hasn't clicked. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it takes click. time. I'm it hoping time. it'll click by the time I graduate. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much, Miss Kathleen, for coming on and talking about your services. Is there anything else that you wanted to speak on before we let you go? Um, just right now, if anyone's out there and listening, we do have uh, openings in our apprenticeship program. We'll continue to take applications. They can. Contact me at the main office location at 7582471, as well as I'm putting a plug in for our little coffee shop at 107 Woodbine. Mm-hmm. We're looking for people to work. Uh, we're open there now Monday through Thursday, 8 to 1.30. All right. Y'all heard it here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.